0: That's a terrible call. That is a terrible call. Brown
1: in the and the steal. Jalen. No! Lowdown's candles out. Get your head to tate him of off the bounce. To the basket. Come on, refs. Get with the game here. That was a terrible loss. I'm, Adam, I'm your host, Adam Taylor, joined by our new co-host, Justin Trombina. We sucked. I mean, there's no easy other way to say, it, right? Justin, did you see the game? Did you see the lack of effort and intensity?
0: Yeah, I saw the game. I definitely saw the lack of effort and intensity. And well, they, uh, the Wizards were just they—they they were hitting everything. Really, I mean, they—you know, when when a team were ish, you know, is hitting, you're not gonna—you know, you're not gonna stop that.
1: You see, what got me was, all year, people have been saying the Celtics are going to struggle when they come up against a solid big. We came up against a rotational guard and got cooked. And I get it. These guys are coming off three games in four nights. They've been riding their luck a little bit as well. It's not like they played phenomenally to get past Atlanta and Chicago. It was um some scrappy games. It felt like the luck ran out a little bit. But Ish went off, dude. Um. Isaiah Thomas done good as well. I like seeing Isaiah Thomas play. I'm always happy when we get to watch him again. Always brings back some good memories. But damn, they're going to need to up their game against um, San Antonio.
0: Oh, for sure. San Antonio, I believe, beat Milwaukee. I don't know if that was their last game or a couple of games ago, but they, they took down the Bucks
1: Convincingly as well, it wasn't like a couple of points. It was a good, what, 10, 15 points?
0: Yeah, I believe it was yeah, double digit lead. It was a good game on their part.
1: So, it's not going to be an easy matchup. Hopefully Definitely not. Hopefully Gordon Hayward can get through this one unscathed. We'll be keeping a close eye on LaMarcus Aldridge. If Gordon gets hurt, Boston should riot.
0: <laughs> yeah, we'll see. <laughs> hopefully he doesn't. We need him.
1: <laughs> a few takeaways from that Wizards game though, like in all seriousness, Jalen Brown, he's been getting his points within the scheme of the offense pretty much for the majority of the year now. This game felt a little forced from him. I don't know whether it was because the shots weren't falling and he's had quite a steady hand, so he thought he could guide them back in. Gordon Hayward got 10 and 10, but his shot weren't really there. 10 points, 10 rebounds, just to clarify that. Four assists. Got that block as well. Got that nice block. I think that was in the fourth, right? Um, He may have got another one too. Tatum. He got hot. He was he was alright. Him and Jaden Brand kind of um, took turns in the first and second. Like Jaden was hot in the first, Tatum was hot in the second. But as a collective, there was just very very low levels of effort on the defensive end. And then there weren't many off ball cuts going on. Everybody was stationary. They were getting down, setting themselves up in their set play. But nobody was moving, and that's where I think the fatigue come into it. Did you notice that? Did you notice that people weren't really moving off ball as well as what they have been in the previous games?
0: Oh, for sure. And I don't understand why. I mean, the only thing I can think of, and I, I think we've talked about it before um, off-air, is just Kemba. I feel like when he's out, there's no like true sense of direction, maybe and uh, it's, it's really affecting them in the end of games, as we can see.
1: See, I get that, but at the same time, that allows for a slow start because, as I think it was Scalbert pointed it out, Kemba's kind of your go-to guy early in the game, and it allows it all the other guys, Jason Tatum, Jalen Brown, Gordon Hayward, to a lesser extent, Marcus Smart and Daniel Tice. It allows them to settle in and find their rhythm while Kemba's going to work. And then as everybody else gets into it, he starts to, you know, defer a little bit more to the other guys to get them their looks. So, yeah, okay, fair enough. It's a slow start. You're missing Kemba, that usually is your primary scorer to start the game or your primary playmaker. But you've got Gordon Haywood on the team. Run him at point forward let him go to work. He's more than capable of running an offense. He did it in Utah. It's the whole reason that he became an all-star in the West. One of the primary reasons that Boston were looking at him in the first place. Take the ball out of Marcus Smart's hands a little bit more. Let Marcus Smart move off ball. He's very capable of setting good pins so guys can curl. There was no curls coming on. That's what Boston have been doing fantastically well in the last probably like six to eight weeks now is they'll curl and find that mid-range jumper or they'll curl into another pin and then release somebody across the baseline to get open in the corner. They're really really good at setting each other up off ball. So when there's no movement that means there's no pace and then you're just relying on the relying on your shooters to hit shots and the, the shots weren't falling in this instance and it was quite surprising considering Washington were pretty pretty bad on day
0: Yeah, I agree. Uh, I feel like the Celtics had a lot of, you know, great looks and just missed opportunities. I'm looking now and, you know, Tatum and Brown kind of had similar games. Like you said, Brown went off. It didn't go off, but it was hot to start. And then Tatum kind of picked up later. But, you know, Tatum had said he, you know, he wants to hit more work on his three-point game and get to the free throw line more. And, He made one three-pointer last night and didn't get to the free-throw line at all. And I I do think he should be able to facilitate a little more and get the ball out of Marcus Smart's hand, who actually kind of had one of the hotter hands for kind of a majority of the game last night.
1: You say that he was shooting a lot from free, dude, and they weren't all great shots. When you're trying to get the ball in, The way you need to attack that sort of defense, because they were playing a lot of zone and a lot of draft. So the way you want to attack that defense is you want to do what they've been doing. Drive the lanes, kick out to the free and move the ball. If you can kick out and there's not a shot there, let that guy drive and then make a kick. Jason Tatum actually done very good in that aspect yesterday. He was um, driving and then he was getting those wraparound passes, primarily to Daniel Tice, who was having a really tough night at the rim.
0: Yeah, I did see a couple of those passes from Tatum, especially down to Tice, who was who was in there right under the rim. He was having a tough time. One thing I do want to see from Daniel Tice a little more, and he had a few opportunities last night, is to hit more three pointers or at least take the attempt. I feel like you know last season he wasn't hesita- he wasn't hesitating in that aspect of his game, but he is he is now, and would have liked to see him maybe throw a couple
1: up there. So it's looking like, you know, tired legs. These guys playing this high-level basketball have been playing against some pretty scrappy teams. We've seen a few of the guys take some hard hits to the floor. Smart took one yesterday. It'll be the day before yesterday by the time everybody else (laughs) listens to this. Your body's going to get banged up. It's natural. It's what's going to happen when you're all competing. These guys are elite-level athletes. I'm guaranteeing every last one of them hates losing. If they don't, then they're just collecting a paycheck and that's why a lot of the Wizards roster and some of the Celtics roster don't see great minutes. The Wizards is different because they're going through an injury crisis at the moment. But leading on from that, the Celtics schedule is terrible. It's horrific to look at. I mean, just before the end of this week, they're going to see the San Antonio Spurs, the, uh, the 76ers and the Pelicans. Less of an extent you worry about the Pelicans, but the next two games especially are going to be a nightmare. Absolute nightmare. The Spurs are doing great. DeMar DeRozan's having a good year. The Sixers are probably without Joel Embiid. I think that's been confirmed actually, so we can pretty safely say that they are going to be without Joel Embiid. They've still got Horford. They've still got Ben Simmons. And if Embiid does play, then he's going to cook too. We've seen what they're capable of and For a team that's got size one through five and then again to come off the bench, they're going to be a really tough matchup for Boston, especially with this grueling schedule of games. They're going to be a tired team versus just a bunch of bruisers, dude. And then Al Horford to just calm the ship, even though he's having a terrible, terrible time there at the moment.
0: Yeah, I heard about that. But yeah, looking looking at the schedule, you're right. They do not have any... It's not easy at all for them. And the San Antonio Spurs, you know, they're coming off a pretty hot victory from uh, Milwaukee. Like you mentioned, the 76ers, whether MVP pros or not, they still have that triple or double big, uh, big man lineup that they still have to deal with. And that's a back-to-back. And, that you know, that's, that's going to be tough. And I'm intrigued to see what Brad Stevens makes – of his lineups and those back-to-backs because you know sometimes he doesn't play some players or he limits some guys on those back-to-backs.
1: Yeah, he's doing it a lot with Romeo Langford at the moment. If Romeo plays in the first game of a back-to-back, you're not going to see him in the second or at least that's how it's been so far. I mean, a lot of that's down to Romeo's injuries towards the start of the year. Maybe they're just managing his body, making sure that he's he's not going to niggle something that was already there or re-injure himself. And that, I mean, it's crazy to be talking about load management for a rookie that's averaging under 10 minutes a game, really. But still, it makes sense. So if they're doing that for someone like Romeo, then you can expect to see that across the board. Kemba's probably going to play restricted minutes on a few of these games. I'm, I'm assuming they're hoping they can get a few blowouts. Chicago is a game that's a possibility if they play well. The Suns are a really difficult team to gauge. Some nights they'll be really tough to beat. Other nights you can just go off. But then really, towards till the end of the, the month, you've got two games against the Pelicans, which is another Suns, really. Some games they're going to be a really tough matchup. Other games you're going to walk through them. Depends what type of Pelicans team turns up. The Magic, you've probably got a bit of a chance of getting, getting out early so you can sit some of your guys late. But the rest of it, I mean, you've got the Pistons, the Bucks, the Grizzlies. Uh, who else is there? The Heat, the Warriors. Uh, the Warriors, again, dude, uh, D'Angelo Russell's no joke. They're finding ways to win. Draymond's playing okay. Obviously, they're missing some of their major players, and they will be all year.
0: Did they beat the Celtics earlier in the year? Or wasn't it, was it a close game? If I'm not
1: mistaken. Yeah, it was a hella close game. Boston won, and I think it was, did Boston win? I'm pretty sure Boston won, but it was, uh, if I, I remember that game, and it was, um it was scrappy, dude. D'Lo was doing a lot, and somehow Willie Cauley-Stein played good. If you ask Brendan, who covered the Kings, pretty much all of last year, he hates Willie Cauley-Stein. He, as far as Brendan's concerned, he's shot that he's even still in the league. So, uh, he's going to be the guy to speak to about that. Brendan, uh. I don't know if it's a little bit of Sacramento bias or if it's just genuinely genuinely sorry that he hates what he called his sign. But either way, we'll ask him on Sunday when he's back. <laughs> the Lakers did. The Lakers in, what, just over a week now? Maybe like 10 days, less than 10 days, they're going to be playing the Lakers. That's a team, You're going to want the team healthy and geared up for that game because Lord knows you don't want to be losing to the Lakers. You never want to lose to the Lakers.
0: Oh, for sure. Uh, I think we're going to need Kemba for that game. Hopefully, he's back to 100% by that point.
1: I mean, a lot can change, though, right? I mean, there's, what, three, four, five, six, seven. So that's eight games away, dude. A lot can happen between now and then. Uh, Fatigue can set in. Someone could pick up a little injury, God forbid. They could pick up an injury. Again, God forbid I'd never wish an injury on any player, regardless of what team they play for and how much I dislike said team. I still want you know this this is these guys bread and butter. But yeah, dude, a lot can happen in the next eight games before then. So it's gonna be it's gonna be a grueling month. There's gonna be some easy I wouldn't say easy wins, there's gonna be some games that are far more winnable than others, and then once you take in the fatigue, I mean look. The Celtics are going to play every other night or back-to-backs, three games in four, stuff like that for the entirety of January. They're going to play three in the next four, then they're going to play again on the Tuesday, then you know, the Monday. Dude, I'm going to tell everybody now, when I get my days wrong, it's because NBA shows me the games in a really <laughs> weird way because of the time it plays over here. So it confuses me a little bit. So we've got the Spurs on Wednesday. Sixers on Thursday. Is that right?
0: Correct, yep. And then we have the Pelicans on Saturday.
1: On Saturday, yeah. So that's a one-day break. Then you've got the Bulls on Monday, uh, Pistons on Wednesday, Bucks on Thursday, right? Correct. So you're coming off a game against the Pistons, who are without Blake Griffin, but they're still going to have Andre Drummond, who's going to bang you up down low, to then go in against Giannis. the the following day I mean check that out for schedule making geniuses made that (laughs) Mm
0: -hmm. yeah it's gonna be a tough back to back right there Friday Um, off
1: then you play the Suns yeah days break few days break then you've got the, the Sunday off and then you play again on the Monday against the Lakers dude so you've got what a day's rest two days rest
0: two days rest on that one.
1: Yep. So, and then it's a game, a day off, a game, a day off. It's 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 crazy. It's going to be a really really tough schedule and they're going to need to utilize their depth. Expect to see I'm expecting to see quite a few of these two-way days burn, especially from Traemon after the way he played in the, um, the game against the Wizards. But we'll talk about that after the break. So what I want to know from you now is do you expect to see this fatigue that Air quotes fatigue. So the type of play we saw against the Wizards, are you expecting that to bleed into multiple of these games?
0: I definitely don't expect it to go into tomorrow's game. I think, I think Brad Stevens, you know, obviously laid into them, told them, or showed them where they didn't execute and how they need to in order to win these games. And he probably may have looked at the schedule just how we just did, and said, "All right, we got all this going on. We're going to need to be prepared, and you guys are going to need to be good to go. And we can't have a lack of effort like that, if anything."
1: So we're going. I think they're going to rely a lot on Enes the today. They lent on him heavily against the Wizards, but it didn't really come off which was shocking because he's been playing some good games where he's struggled. I'm expecting to see them lean on him heavily, especially if Embiid don't play against the Sixers. I was expecting him to feature quite prominently.
0: In the offensive game or... In the well, offensive. Well, he, enough, he's in never featuring
1: prominently in the defensive game.
0: <laughs> right, that's true. Um, I guess I was just talking more about his rebounding and all that because I, I do expect him to have at least a decent game, especially if Embiid isn't
1: in. Yeah, I'm expecting him to have quite a favourable matchup against the Spurs as well. He's been doing well, dude. He catches a lot of stick. He's like the player that fans love to hate this year. I'm actually, I'm okay with him at the moment. I'm, don't get me wrong, there's always better players out there, but he's league is in the league in offensive rebounds. What more can you ask for a guy on five million a year?
0: Oh, for sure. Um, I, I was a little, I was high on Cantor when the Celtics first signed him, and then I kind of saw, the, you know, the product, and then I was like, yeah, I was a little iffy on him. But I am a little, I, I am back on Cantor as he's progressed during this later part of the first half of the season. The only he, I don't know, he's good some nights, bad the other nights. Some nights he looks like when he's running he's like a puppy dog learning how to run like he's still learning how to run I just wish he could just move and transition a little better and just kind of be more of an athlete really
1: yeah his mobility is terrible <laughs> it Is it really is but look we're not going to get into the NS canter bashing so what we're going to do is we're going to head off to break when we come back we'll have I know you wanted you had a little topic you wanted to discuss so when we come back we'll get into that so we'll be back in a moment so Justin what's this topic that you told me you'd like to discuss over text message before we got started
0: yeah after last night's game and then you know kind of with all these you know trade rumours of you know, what the Celtics should or shouldn't do. I guess it kind of got me thinking about who is the most expendable rookie if Danny Ainge was to make a deal and include one of his rookies as he drafted four and there's a total of seven. Or, my math could be wrong. I believe that's correct.
1: Okay so who do you think is the most expendable and why?
0: I kind of think it's Carson Edwards right now and I kind of feel like it's be- he's kind of kind of making him well he's kind of the odd man out at this point. I think Carson Edwards and Traymon Waters could have similar games. I don't think Tremont, I mean Traymon he's a great shooter but Carson Edwards kind of showed that he could be a sharpshooter in the preseason, in the summer. Um, but that's preseason in, in the summer, and here we are now in the NBA, in Tremont Waters, who's on a two-way, I feel just a more polished player at this point, and that could be a credit to the G League and the Red Claws, which I do think it is, especially with Tremont Waters, but He's just a great basketball player, and he's very instinctive. And you could see it last night, actually, when he was in. Him and Daniel Tice trapped. I forget who the ball – I forget who. It was probably Ish. They trapped him, and it, it was just – it was great to see him do that with, with Daniel Tice. But, yeah, I think it is I think it is Carson. Almost, you know, our first selection in the in our first-round pick. I think we need to slow down with him as far as wanting to get rid of him because he hasn't, you know, just been lights out. He's actually been injured a lot. I think we need to, you know, it's it's just been a small sample size with him. And I think Grant Williams has been great for the most part. Um, He can fill in anywhere. He's he actually hit one last night again. That was fun. Um his free throws, he he needs to work on those I think. Last night I think he missed three. Um at and the Celtics lost by five, I believe. So if he had hit those, you know what I mean? You can you can do the what if, you can play that game all night, but Progressing in his rookie year, it would be nice to see him be a little more confident from the free-throw line. But to answer the question, I do think it's Carson Edwards. What about you?
1: Yes, coming into the year, if you look back at articles I wrote when I first joined Celtics blog or tweets that I was releasing during Summer League in the start of the season, Carson Edwards was my guy, dude. I was so high on him. I thought he was going to be the second coming of JJ Redick or some crazy stuff like that. At the moment, he's by far and large the most expendable rookie on the team. Simply because there's a ready-made replacement in Tremont that can step up and get guaranteed and take that roster spot. And I feel like at the moment, he's earning that spot above Carson to the point where Carson needs to be looking over his shoulder because the, the Celtics will be looking for ways to improve the team. And if you need Tremont Waters for the playoffs, then you, and you need to move a guard so you've got a roster spot available, then Carson Edwards is going to be that guy. Romeo Langford, to me, is an insurance policy. He, If there's anything happens to Jalen or Jason, you've got a guy that can step in that's pesky on defense. His hands have been really good on defense. He isn't really getting the touches offensively at the moment, but... That'll come with time at the moment. He's just earning his spot in the rotation and he's doing that by playing really active defense. I feel like he's going to be safer now because he's got potential to improve. He, he could end up being a very good slasher in this league. Uh, Who else we got? We've got Grant Williams, for me, the most productive rookie on the team. There's times where he comes in and just changes the game just because of his defense and his IQ. He still gets caught out sometimes over helping and... He misses his switches sometimes. But that's basic it actually rookie
0: mistakes.
1: It's basic rookie mistakes. Jalen Brown was terrible for missing switches through first and second year. Last year he did it too. I mean, everybody remembers when Mook went off at him because he missed that rotation. Things like that take time to learn, especially when you're playing against players that are so like gifted, that are so quick, that are so elusive, that have been doing this stuff day in, day out for four, five, six years. That's why vets are vets. That's how they learn. you learn to win when you're playing against, you know, still sharp and still, right? So I'm not too worried about that. I feel like Grant Williams is going to have a very long career in the league if he just continues to progress. He already seems like a better player now than when the year started, which is it's a great sign. Javante Green as well, dude, he puts in good minutes when he's out there. I do feel like he's a... He needs to start looking at expanding his game a little bit because at the moment, he's just a slasher and dunker, which is fine, don't get me wrong. It's great in transition. It's great for the highlight reel. And I'm assuming we're going to see some good blocks from him eventually just because of his his vertical ability, his leaping ability. But at the same time, you don't really, he doesn't really offer much of a threat from free. So teams will start clogging him soon. They'll start dropping off him or they'll go under screens for him just to dare that shot. So we, you, you need to expect some form of evolution from him just to keep defenses honest. But he's shown enough to pretty much earn a stay on the team. He has great depth. That, that just leaves. I mean, I'm, I'm ignoring Taco Fall because I, I have an opinion on Taco. I've made that very clear. Um, so for me, it's Carson Edwards is the odd man out. And it kills me to say that because of how high I was on him during the, the start of the season and during the summer league. He's just not. He's not confident right now. They sent him down to Maine. He had some good games down there. You, for me, I was hoping that was going to kind of trigger some sort of reaction when he came back into the NBA and start, you know, start making them shots. But he's a volume guy, and you're asking him to go from being a guy that can make three and ten threes to a guy that can make three and four. That sort of improvement is damn hard to do and it's definitely not going to happen overnight so while while people are asking that of him Tremont Waters is going about his business he he damn near won that game alongside Grant Williams it, them two helped pull that game back close the more Tremont can affect games like that the more expendable Carson Edwards is going to be
0: yeah I agree I think all the other you know Especially since we're talking about Tra you know, Tramon would be the guy to take Carson's spot if, you know, there was to be a deal made and I think like you said it is rightfully owned and with the way this roster is right now, they they need a guy like Traymon who's confident in what he can do and
1: I mean like we just like gonna be What's that? Let's just go get Ish. <laughs> yeah, let's just go and get Ish. <laughs> I'm really joking, I'm joking.
0: <laughs> but yeah, um, there is one more rookie, Vincent Poirier. Um, I I kind of think he's... I think he, when he was brought... I think we signed him... I could be wrong on this, before the Cantor deal. Does that sound right?
1: Yeah, that's right. But again... I still see him as an insurance policy as well. You've got Robert Williams is out. You don't know when he's going to be back and you don't know if he's going to be viable as a for the rest of the season. Like, will he come back? Will he get re-injured? What's his health concerns like? So at the moment, obviously Vinny Sexy Pants is injured too, but that's by the by. <laughs> at, at the moment, if anything was to happen to Tyson or Cantor between now and the playoffs or during the playoffs... You don't want to be caught sleeping and only having one one true five and then having to like grant up to the five against some of these bigger bigger guys in the playoffs in his first ever playoff experience and then get caught sleeping. So having a guy like Vinny, who again would be in his first playoff experience, but at least he's got that size and length to be able to alter shots around the rim and, you know, just grab some boards make himself big in the paint, just affect the game in ways that bigs are meant to affect the game, regardless of how good you actually are. You're big, make people shoot over you um, just as a bare minimum. That as an insurance policy to me for the value of the contract is something that makes him pretty much not guaranteed, but very likely to stay until at least the end of the season.
0: Yeah, I can agree with that. I, when it comes to, I know, and I know he's injured, but you know, I saw this from Brad Stevens last year during Robert Williams' rookie season, and possibly Daniel Tice's as well. But he, I feel like he needs to play poorly more, and he needed to play Williams more. He need they need that in game experience, especially like you said in the playoffs, where something happens to uh, Cancer or Tice or. Whoever is the next centre,
1: you see, this um, is the issue with Celtics fans, and I'm just as guilty as the next guy, so I'm not taking shots at people. But on one hand, Celtics fans are like, they need to win, it's about W's, it's about chips, it's about rings, and then on the other hand, they're like, they need to play the rookies more because he never played Time Lord last much last year, he never played twice much in his rookie year, now he's not playing Paria. But then, if he plays them and they lose, it's what's he doing playing him? Why didn't he play Cant? It's a it's a double edged sword at that point. Like to the point where he's probably not worrying about. Well, I'm a, I'm pretty much sure, almost positive, that he don't care what fans and media are saying. He's playing the team that gives him the best chance to win because that's what he's paid to do. He's paid to win games, and his coaching staff are responsible for developing the players. His his job is win games and put players in the best possible position to showcase their abilities and improve on the floor. So if your best 5 or best 10 if you want to count one for one rotations doesn't include Vincent Poirier, then that's Vincent Poirier's job to improve to a point that he's good enough to crack that rotation. It, Brad sees him in training. So I'm kind of I understand that that perception that he needs to play him more to see what's actually there but Brad said at the start of the season Vincent Poirier in terms of understanding the way the Celtics want to play understanding the playbook understanding where to be on the court at given situations he was the furthest away because he was coming into the NBA fresh from a euro basketball perspective it's an insanely different type of game just the way it's played um he did it with Tice and then Tice worked his way into the rotation in the second year because sometimes these Euro guys take a year not everybody's Luka Doncic they take a year to, to get used to where they need to be on the floor because the worst thing is dude if he plays trash now and the Celtics cut him he's never going he ain't going to get another contract in the NBA if if they give him a year and then he plays acceptably next year he might be able to forge a career coming off the bench for another team down the line so it is kind of a double-edged sword. I don't know if you agree.
0: I agree in a way. But I guess with that being said, and kind of talking about you know everything else that we have been talking about, does he become expendable if if it's the right package or intrigue from a team?
1: I think if Time Lord shows his fitness and shows this was just one of those things, you pick up an injury, but it's not some, it's something that's going to reoccur. Then at that point Poirier is the odd man out and you put him if there's a package that's available that he can help match the salary with and the other team are willing to take a look at him, then that gets done, I'm assuming. It's just can't will they be relying because you you're shortening your rotation down to three big men. That is absolutely fine. But bear in mind that Tice is more of a four than a five. So then you've really only got two true fives in Canter and Time Lord. It just depends what they value and what the return package is, and how does it fit the system? How does it fit the team chemistry? But I think right. I think barring like Jalen and Jason, and probably Marcus, possibly Gordon, and we're just not going to mention Kemba because he's just can't So barring those guys, I, I pretty much feel like anybody's expendable. It's just in return for what you know,
0: right? Yeah, I agree with you.
1: On that. So that pretty much oh, no. wraps us up unless you've got another point you wanna you wanna touch on.
0: No, I think we hit everything, man. I hope the Spurs can.
1: Not hurt oh. Gordon Hayward. Like, do not touch <laughs> Gordon Hayward. I will incite upsetness yeah. the fans. So leave San Antonio
0: without an injury.
1: Guys, we'll be back on Thursday. Um I'm working on getting some guests, getting some cross podcasts going on with other teams from the SB Nation Podcast Network. Do my best to make that happen. I'm not promising it'll happen Thursday, but as you've seen over the last the first month of the podcast, we've had a few guests on. I'm going to try and keep build momentum with that, to keep getting you guys the best possible coverage of what's going on around the league, what to expect from upcoming opponents. Just try and give you guys as much information and as much insight into what's what to expect or what's been happening as possible if there's anything you want to hear or anything you're not happy with, drop me a message my emails in my profile on the Celtics blog page my Twitter handles on every podcast release at Adam Taylor NBA and if you agree or disagree start that dialogue as well man it's best I, it's rewarding when we get to interact with you guys but anyway. I'm your host, Adam Taylor. I've been joined by my boy, Justin Trombino. He'll be co-hosting with me now. You'll have Brendan along with us every Sunday. And we'll catch you again on Thursday, guys.